Good morning and welcome to Stone Point Church. Uh, if this is your first time with us, we're in a series called Signs. And I'm not going to really try to catch you up to where we are from chapter 1 till now. We're diving into chapter 14 today. But I am going to kind of recap maybe the last couple of weeks so you kind of know where we are in the timeline of Revelation. Uh, chapter 12 and 13 just kind of went into... Uh, the rule of the Antichrist in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. We got to see uh, last chapter in 13, just kind of this unholy trinity. Uh, Brandon kind of laid out to where there's the uh, Satan himself, the devil, and then you have the Antichrist and another beast that deceives the people. And there's this idea of this unholy trinity that goes around and just deceives people into taking the mark of the beast. And so we got to see that, and Brandon ended with a challenge of stepping up. Uh, we shared Courtney's story about her leaving and going on a one-year mission trip and be praying for her. She leaves tomorrow and then be praying for her mom. Her mom serves at Stone Point in Edgewood and she uh, is going to need prayer and community. And so keep that in mind as we think about just sharing the gospel to all nations. Because we're going to dive into chapter 14 today and, and we're going to see kind of the end. Like this is where Jesus comes back. And we're going to look at some of his words in Matthew where he came and spoke about this time. And so we're going to really dive into chapter 14. We're going to look at Matthew and just kind of get a hope from last week's message. Because last week's message ended very bleak with the rule of the Antichrist, with the rule of evil. Uh, you've got the idea of people losing their lives. You hear of wars and and famines, and earthquakes, and all of these things, and it does not look good for God's people. And today we see in chapter 14 something different. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive right into chapter 14. Father, I'm thankful to be here today. God, just teach us something new. Teach us something about just you and your love. Teach us something about your gospel, your story, and how we can be a part of that. God, I pray that you uh, wake us up to, to something new today, to, to be used by you. God, I pray just that you, you do miracles in our lives currently so that when we go out, we can share about them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to dive right into verse 1 in chapter 14, Revelation. And it says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So we heard about the mark of the beast last chapter and how they get uh, the mark of the beast either on their hands or foreheads. And you see here that this 144,000, which we found out in previous chapters, were Jews, right? God's chosen people who realized that Jesus was the Messiah and is now preaching during this time of tribulation. And many probably lost their lives. And we see a lot of diff difficult times for this tribulation. But here we see a glimpse that God wins. Like 144,000 is standing before him. They were faithful in what they were asked to do. And you have Jesus standing before them. And they have God's name written on their foreheads. 
And this 144,000, some believe that um, there'll only be, there's religions out there that some believe only 144,000 will be uh, with God in heaven. And that's not the case. These are the 144,000 Jews that have, follow, uh, that have chosen to follow Jesus and, and speak that to the nation of Israel. He continues on and says, And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. And here you get kind of envious. that, Like, I want to know what that song says. It's not as... Like, we just we don't get a chance to to understand what this song is, because we are not God's chosen people. God's chosen people are, are the Jews. And if you are a Jew, then you're God's chosen people, and you actually have a chance to possibly be one of these 144,000 living during the tribulation. But if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. And we look at it something like this. This Monday, uh, we're going to be adopting three our three children into our uh, family, and we will no longer call them adopted or biological. We'll call them our children. But at the time, we have our biological children that that are our family, our blood-related family, and then we have our three adopted. And so, if you're the Jewish nation, you are God's chosen people. You're born into the family of God, essentially. And then you have the Gentiles, which are us, and we are adopted into his family. We don't have a chance to be born into it. We are adopted by the grace of what Jesus did on the cross so many years ago. And so you see that they get to sing a new song because they were faithful. And then you see how they were faithful. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. And you get to see why they get to sing a new song. Why they only get to sing a new song because they were faithful to Jesus. And then he goes on and says, Then I saw another angel. We're going to see five different angels, five or actually six, seven different angels here. And the first one we see is flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And we see that the gospel here is eternal. And, and what I kind of want to explain really quick here is that the gospel does not end when we come face to face with God in heaven. Like we will be face to face and fully know God at one point, but the gospel will not end because we'll get up there, we'll realize that we don't deserve to be in the presence of a holy God. We'll realize what all we were saved from in order to be in his presence, in order to be called a child of God. And this gospel will continue on because we still need the gospel to be seen as righteous before God. And so we get to stand in his presence. We get to see the creator face to face. And we get to realize just how unworthy we are to even be in heaven. And so this gospel goes on for eternity. So really quick, I'm going to run through what we believe here at Stone Point to be the gospel. One, we believe that God's the creator. Like he came and he created time and space, heavens and earth, water, plants, and on the sixth day he created man. He created man good. Everything he created was good. 
We believe that he's perfect. Like he makes no mistakes. He he does nothing wrong. We believe that he loves us and he loves us so much that he desires to have a relationship with his creation. But the problem is is man decided to worship really the creation more than the creator. And so he has one rule in the garden which is to Uh, not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he chooses to do that because he wants to be like God. He gets tempted. She gets tempted, and they end up eating the fruit together, and they have ultimately brought in sin and death to humanity. And then you see God, throughout the rest of uh, just time here on earth so far, come and walk with man. He doesn't leave us to our own sinful desires. In fact, he shows up to Abraham later on and says, Hey, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and we're going to bless all nations through you. And through Abraham starts the Israelite nation, what we know today as the nation of Israel. And through them become the Jewish faith. And all the way up through just Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Uh, Joseph, the Israelites wandering in the desert, you've got King David, all the way up to Jesus. But you see all through the Old Testament that there is something, there is someone that God is pointing to, and that's the Messiah. But as you read the Old Testament, you see that man never changes. We continue to do what's right in our own eyes, and God continues to pursue us, pursue the, uh, the Jewish nation, and say, hey, come back, repent, follow me. And then at the end of Malachi, the last book of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, he stopped speaking for 400 years that we know of. And then 2,000 years ago, he steps into human history as a man, Jesus. He is born uh, from Mary. His earthly father is Joseph. His earthly mother is Mary. And they teach him and raise him. And then at age 30, he goes into what we would call his ministry. He finds 12 men to walk and, and teach and to show how to live life. And he does three years of earthly ministry to where he is teaching, performing miracles. And so much so, like during this ministry, he starts to upset people. He starts calling himself God, and people don't believe that. They don't like his teaching because it's calling them out from this religious rule that they've set up, this comfortable seats that they've been able to sit in and kind of really make their own way to God. He says, I want you to know that it's more about your heart and your love for people and your love for me than it is following rules. Yes, we have to follow rules, but it's about why we do it. And so he walks this earth for uh, 33 years. At age 33, they crucify him on the cross, right? And he dies and is buried for three days, and he rises, conquering death. Again, death entered the picture with Adam. Jesus conquered death. In fact, we are owed death because Romans says the wage of sin, what we deserve because of our sin is death, eternal separation from God. But Jesus conquers that by rising from the dead, walking another 40 days with his disciples, teaching them, and then he rises. 
That's the gospel. The gospel is, is that we believe and we confess in what Jesus does, and we enter into a relationship with him. And at that point, we learn what we are to do. We stop living like we once lived, and we start living as a new self. So the old creation is gone, the new creation has come. And that is the eternal gospel that God has created, not only heavens and earth, but he's created you, he's created me, he's knitted us together inside our mother, and he's created us for a purpose. And if you follow him, you have a purpose, you have something to do. Now what that is, is we'll see in just a little bit. But he says, hey, this eternal gospel goes on forever, and it's for those that dwell on the earth. So it's for the people of the earth. It's the creation that can have a relationship with God. And it's to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And so now I want to take you real quick to Matthew, because this is where it gets really awesome. So you have the creator of the universe that creates time and space, and he knows when time is going to end. And we're reading about it in Revelation from him inspiring John, who was a disciple of Jesus. Now, Jesus walked this earth. He was God in man. And he actually spoke of this time. And so I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 24 real quick. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, And Jesus answered him, See that no one leads you astray. Okay, see that you understand what it means to be a follower of me. See that you understand that you know me, that you abide in me, so that when people come, you know your stuff and you're not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And if you look up today and go on the internet and say, who, like, is there anybody that claims to be Jesus? You'll see a lot of people have claimed to be Jesus even up to today. And then you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we definitely have seen wars. We hear of wars possibly happening. happening. We hear rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Why does it surprise us that our earth, that our world, continues to get worse? Why does it surprise us that marriage is challenged? Why does it surprise us that evil is rampant? It, does, it shouldn't surprise those that follow Jesus because he has already said, hey, you're going to hear about all this, but it's going to get worse. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So he continues on. He says, hey, you're going to hear of all this. Don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised. The end's not yet, though. And then he says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. We see nation rising against nation. We've heard of civil wars happening, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes. We've heard about all of that all over the U.S., all over the world. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Brandon alluded to this idea that the end times is like a woman given birth back in chapter 3 or 4, week 3 or 4. And it's the idea that birth pains, the closer it gets to the actual time of the birth, become harder, they become more painful. And that's what we're seeing is don't be alarmed because it's going to continue to get worse here on this world. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. 
And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. Again, he talks about the, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And I can guarantee you that if you go to Facebook today or any other social media post uh, way to look at uh, different posts or laws out there, you will find divisiveness in our country right now. You can look up any post about guns, any post about straws. I mean, we're fighting over straws right now. Straws. And the problem is, isn't the law about straws or the law about guns. It's because we have lowered our standard from God's law. We've lowered our standard from God's standard. And because lawlessness, meaning we're not following the standard of moral behaviors, the love of many grows cold. The reason why we have divisiveness is because we don't love people. It's because we don't hold fast to love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is anyone in this world. In fact, Jesus says, hey, don't even just love your neighbor, love your enemy. We have fallen short of keeping God's law, and lawlessness continues to decrease, or increase actually. And so the love of many grows cold. So you see the lack of love among people, and you can look at that through Facebook or any other social media site out there. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel, again, the eternal gospel, this is Jesus, of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as the testimony to all nations. And when that happens, the end will come. So we have Courtney going and speaking the gospel for a year to nations that haven't heard, to, to tribes, to languages that haven't heard the gospel. And this is what Jesus says. Like, like my mind is blown from reading this passage and knowing that we're talking about it in Revelation. The creator of the universe, right? The created time and space that knows when time is going to end. He enters into human history as a man and says, okay, this is when time will end. When all nations have heard, have heard of the eternal gospel. And so we are called at the end of Jesus' ministry, when he's looking out at his disciples, is to go and make disciples of all nations. The reason why we, are, we have a purpose is to fulfill what God has already said. You are called to make disciples so that the second coming can come. Like the reason why the second coming hasn't come yet is because there is a person that still needs to hear the gospel. There's a person in your life, I can guarantee you, that doesn't understand the eternal gospel. And they need to hear it, and they need to hear it from you. He continues on in chapter 14 of Revelation. He says, And then I heard with a loud voice, so this is the angel, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. Like, this is it. This is when God says, okay, time has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and the springs of water. 
And another angel, a second one, following this angel, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And what this is saying is fallen is the evilness of this world. Like they did not win. All throughout Scripture, you see God relating to his chosen people or his church as a husband and wife, the bride. And the one that is always unfaithful is is the church, his people. All throughout the Old Testament, it talks about the nation of Israel going and sleeping with another god. And they didn't physically do it, obviously, but they've taken their eyes off of the Creator and worshipped the creation. And you may say today, hey, we don't worship idols today. We don't worship other gods. And if we're not careful, we will substitute a lot of created things for God, such as your job. If you worship your job more than you worship God, you're worshiping something created more than the Creator. If you love your spouse more than you love God, if you worship your spouse more than you worship God, then you love the creation more than the Creator. What about your kids? If you love your kids more than you love God, then you worship the creation more than the Creator. Your, your hobbies, your activities, yourself, your own desires, your own kingdom. The moment we take our eyes off of the Creator, or the moment that we wor- is the moment that we start worshiping the creation. And here it says, "Fallen is that kingdom." And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, "If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath." poured full strength into a cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. And I want you to see two things here. One, you don't just walk into a store and get the beast, the mark of the beast on your forehead accidentally. Like, it doesn't happen. The idea here is that you, some, this person, whoever it is, has chosen to receive this mark and worship the beast because they've been deceived. And then the second thing is, is we read this, and this is where I'm going to lose some of you. Because we don't like the consequence of that decision. We don't like the idea of a loving God that will torment, that will allow someone to be tormented in these ways. And the reason why we don't like that is because we may be that person. Like, the person that commits the crime doesn't get to create the consequence. If you truly believe that God's the creator and that he's perfect and makes no mistakes and he loves you, then he sets a standard up to have a relationship with him. He's not the one that broke the standard. We are. And so if someone comes and robs your house, you don't want them setting up the consequence if they get caught. Because you know they'll walk free. My kids... 
don't get to set the consequence of their punishment for breaking a rule of the house because there would be no consequence if that was the case. They would say, hey, I, I lied to you, I get, I get ice cream. And that's not going to happen. The person that breaks the rules, they don't get to create the consequence. The only person that gets to create the consequence is the one that makes the rules. It's perfect. He loves us. And so we don't get to make these consequences. God does. Here is the call for the endurance of the saints. The reason why we endure is so that we don't face the consequence. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And so it is, you've heard this said over and over and over. It's by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourself. You can't work. You, you can't work for your salvation. It's given to you by God. So it's faith in Jesus, if we believe and we confess, is what saves us. But at that point, we are called to be different from the world. We're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be salt of the earth. And here, we are called, once we have faith in Jesus, to keep the commandments of God. Like the reason why we follow the law once we realize who Jesus is, isn't because it saves us, but we are working out our salvation. We're actually showing people our faith by our works. So he says, those who keep the commandments and have faith in Jesus. So there is something to, once you have a relationship with Jesus, to be looking more like him every day. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. That makes no sense because that doesn't say blessed to me. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. God's idea of being blessed is completely different than ours. But realize that this world is not our home. That we need to be looking towards heaven and realize that we need to endure so that we can be blessed. And what follows them? Their deeds. How do I know that you're a follower of Jesus? by your love and actions. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on this cloud, uh, one like the Son of Man. So this is Jesus with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And I'm going to take you back to Matthew real quick, because Jesus talks about this moment. And here's Jesus sitting on a cloud with a sickle in his hand. And if you go back to Matthew 13, what we see is that Jesus walking this earth really does compare the kingdom of God to a harvest field multiple times through seed growing in soil. And here he says, here's a parable, here's a story, another story that I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, uh, the, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? 
And he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And then he explains it. He says, Then they left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered them, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. I am the person that sows the good seed. The field is the world. So this field that the seed is growing in is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Those that are wheat are my followers. I can distinguish my followers by what they look like. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. I can distinguish the ones that follow Satan or themselves as weeds by what they look like. And I want to stop and just point this out. Just because you don't follow Satan doesn't mean you follow Jesus. Just because you don't worship Satan doesn't mean you worship Jesus. We can easily fall into our own desires and our own wants and build our own kingdom and be just as lost as the person that claims to worship Satan. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age. So when I come, when the harvest time comes, that is the end of time. And the reapers, those that come and, and, and reap, are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with the fire, so it will be the, at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. If you are not clothed with the righteousness of Christ, then you are seen as sinful and breaking the law. The only thing that can save you is by living the law perfectly outside of Jesus. And unfortunately, none of us live up to that standard. And they throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun of the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And so here is the creator of the world speaking to his disciples about the end times. And now we're reading about it again through the eyes of the disciple, John, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely crazy. He says, in another angel came out of the temple, calling in a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. And at this point, there are no second chances. At this point, there are no second chances. Why do we know that Jesus has not returned yet? Because there are still people out there that need to hear the gospel. The harvest is not fully ripe. In fact, the idea of ripe there is that it has gotten as close to being rotted as possible. And so it can't become any more ripe. And one more second, and it will be start to rot. 
And so God knows exactly when it's time that the harvest is to be reaped. And the reason why it hasn't happened yet is because God is tarrying. He wants a relationship with every person he can get that will choose to follow him. So he sat on the cloud and swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. And the other angel came out of the temple in, in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. So here comes another angel with a sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire. So there's one that has a sickle and one that has control over fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had a sharp sickle, put your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. And while that seems very difficult, there is hope because this time has not yet come. The time has not yet come for the harvest to be reaped. There are people in your lives that still have a chance to hear the gospel, the eternal gospel that can bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ, you have a purpose. And the purpose comes back to Luke 10 too. We have, I have an alarm on my phone that it goes off every day at 10.02. And it's to remind me to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Because Luke 10 too says this. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers are few. So therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You have a job. And that is to speak the eternal gospel to people. To live as Jesus would to those that never know Jesus. That have never known Jesus. You are called to do things. And you may say... Brian, I have no clue what to do for God. Well, let me tell you this. There's two types of will for God. There's this overall will for every follower of Him, and then there's a specific will for each follower of, him, of His. His overall will is that you go and you make disciples of all nations. So wherever you are, you're making disciples. His overall will for every follower is to live in community, open and authentic community, not forsaking the assembling of the saints. His overall will for each and every one of you is to look like Him, Jesus, who came to serve and not to be served. His overall will is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. His overall will for each follower of Him is to simply obey what He says. And then there's specific wills, and that's more of the gifts of the Spirit. And we think of them like tools, like 
There's a lot of different tools used to build a house. All have the same purpose of building the house, but they're each used in a different way. A hammer's not used like a screwdriver. A screwdriver's not used like a skill saw. A skill saw is not used as a nail. And each and every one of you have been given specific talents and abilities. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is not making disciples. It, that's your calling no matter what gift you have. The gift of the Holy Spirit isn't to live in authentic community. You're supposed to do that regardless of what gift you have. But you have certain gifts that God has blessed you with. Some of them are teaching. Some of them's exhorting. Some of them is hospitality. And we're really good at using our gifts for this world. Some of you are teachers. And you love to teach. And you teach Monday through Friday in the Texas public system of education. And you're very good at it. Why not teach eternal values to children back in Stone Point Kids? God has given you a gift to teach and you use it, which is a good thing, to help people educate themselves. But why not be used by God to teach and educate children about eternal values? Some of you are waitresses or waiters, and you have to learn to love people regardless of how they treat you. You're learning how to be hospitable, and you do this very well. Why not do that here at Stone Point and be a part of the hospitality team on loving people? There are so many different ways that God uses you in your current field, and the reason why you're there is because he's given you abilities to do so. Use it for eternal values. Use it for things that matter. Be used by God. I have a, uh, a hatchet up here, and this hatchet's a tool. Like, I use this hatchet every time I go camping to find wood, to help with firewood, uh, to turn it around and nail the stakes into the ground. And you can tell that it has been used. Like, it's worn. Right now, it's completely dull. I need to sharpen it a little more. You can see that it's got duct tape on it because I left it outside where the dogs chewed it up. Yeah, that was my fault. So I had to put duct tape around it so I could still hold it. But this, uh, this hatchet was given to me by my dad. He used it, and I, I love it. And I use it all the time when we go camping. And even when we do fire, uh, we, we do a fire pit, uh, we make a fire in the fire pit, I'll use it to chop up the wood there. But I use it for the purpose that it was intended for. I also have a backup. I've got a backup for when this one fails. And you can tell it's not been used as much. Like it still has the sticker on there. It's still sharp as, as it was when it was bought. The black is still on there. And I've not used this one once. Still has a purpose, but it hasn't been used. This one, you can tell, has been used. 
This one you can tell hasn't. God wants to use you. He's given you abilities. He's given you um, talents. He's given you his overall will that every follower should do. And he wants to use you. The problem is, is some of us don't want to be used because we're real comfortable where we are. And that's why Brandon had the calling last week. Let's wake up. Church, it's time to stop looking like a tool that's not been used and start doing it. Start living the purpose that we need to live. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for today. God, I pray that you help us to live our purpose and live it well. God, help us to take our eyes off of our own self, off of our own kingdom, and to look through this world, look at this world through your eyes. God, help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do. Help us to be followers of you and, and go and make disciples of all nations. God, be with Courtney as she leaves tomorrow. Help her fix her eyes on you and you alone. God, help us to live daily in the idea that we're in a mission field, we're in a harvest, and people need to know you. God, I am so thankful that the time hasn't come yet for the harvest to be reaped. Because there's people out there that you still want to love, you still want a relationship with, and God, I ask that you help us be faithful in doing so. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.